listening to Intentional Christianity. In this podcast, we're dedicated to helping you develop a mindset of how to process information and scenarios we frequently encounter as Christians using scripture and critical thinking. Through listening, we hope to help you better engage with the world and ultimately point others to Christ. Welcome to Intentional Christianity. I'm Andy. I'm Lillian. And we have something new that wasn't here the first time, uh, Anike. And so you can introduce yourself. Yeah, cool. Hey guys, I'm Anike. Um, I like yoga and I like painting and I also really love Jesus. I think he's really cool. So <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, it's definitely a yeah. good thing. Yeah. So today, and Anike did a lot of preparation for this, so I really want to have heard say a lot about this, but we'll be talking about gender and sexuality and how our culture views it and some of the problems that they have or that are brought up when the culture uh, gives their own interpretation of what sexuality and gender means. So Nikkei, if you want to start. Yeah. um, So I guess a good place to start is like why this topic matters to me. Um, And I had to maybe like five, six years ago, um, I was talking to a person I, I trusted um, about this topic because I had several friends at school that were um, that had homosexual desires, um, and I, I I didn't I didn't I didn't think pursuing those things were right, but I just didn't have a lot of like understanding about why that wouldn't be right. Um, but and so as I was talking about this to him, he he looked at me and he said, "Does God really care about gender?" Um, and that was a really difficult question for me because I didn't, I genuinely didn't really know how to respond to that. Um, but as I've talked to wise people over the years, I um, have gained a lot of wisdom on the subject. And I think this is a topic that like our culture um, has really skewed from, from biblical principles. And so I think it's really important um, to equip all the saints, um, especially those of us who are, um, going forward in the gospel in the United States um, and m- most of like culture today. Uh, I think it's really important to, to know scripture in regards to the subject. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I think a great place to start is like, what have you guys heard about um, sexuality in our culture? What, what kind of lies do you think we're kind of hearing? There's so many churches now that like, they think it's totally fine to have a homosexual lifestyle and we need to be very careful about that because Mm. the Bible says that it's not okay. It's not God's will for us. That's not how he designed relationships and marriages to be. And so we need to be careful about that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I have multiple friends. I have a transgender friend and a uh, homosexual friend. So I think Lillian, what you mentioned and it's not God will God's will for us. It's not that the Bible is just a whole bunch of rules that restrict us and mm-hmm. are there to make us suffer, but like they're there because God wants the best for us and mm-hmm. his will is ultimately, like he has our best interests in mind. And so it's not something that he just put in place to say, you know, you can't do this. I just don't want you to, but it's, it's actual problem. And we'll unpack that in this of why it's an issue. But uh, yeah, just that it's not a rule to just be there, but it really does have an effect on our, on our lives and a, a spiritual negative spiritual effect too it, it just can tear apart 
our relationship with God and with other people. Mm. I think that's a really, I'm really glad you started there, Andy, because I think that's, that's really important. Um, because something I have seen really consistently is that people who have like homosexual desires and stuff tend to really put their identity in it. Um, and then to, so to hear something like you're not allowed to pursue those things is like an attack on their identity at that point. Um, and so starting at a place of like, I know like you're feeling these things, but, and I'm, and I'm telling you this out of love because I care about you. Um, this is not God's best for you. Um, and, and just being like, we want to be super honest. Um, but, but also like do it in, in truth and great and grace as well. Um, just being like, these are also people made in the image of God and, and we want to love them well. We don't want to alienate them because this has been something I've personally been learning and, and, and still, um, just made new to me every day. Like the fact that like pursuing homosexual desires is the same as sleeping with your girlfriend or like telling a lie. Like it's all sin. It's all against the will of God. It's not like these people are, I don't know, so strange aliens. I know I keep saying that, but um, yeah. 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 It's so important because I feel like sometimes, you know, if you're a Christian and you're struggling with like same sex desires, just know that doesn't make you any less of a Christian. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. Yep. Like Christians also face the devastations of like the fall. You know, we're mm -hmm. not exempt from that. We, we still struggle. We still go through hard times and that's just another one of those things. Yes. I, I agree. Yeah. I know you had a, a question written down that you thought was helpful on that topic. Do you want to read that? Okay, so a question that a lot of people have is like, what should a Christian do if they are experiencing same-sex attraction? Mm. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I'll let Andy go first because I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I think uh, prayer is the biggest thing. Mm. And uh, so is reading your Bible and studying the Word. I'll talk a lot about prayer and how important it is on here because it's if you think about it this way, God's Word is one-way communication to us and we can read it. But prayer is the only two-way communication that we have between us and God. And it's a conversation with God, just like you would have a conversation with somebody else. It's communicating with Him. And so just talking to Him, mm. um, I know we had Hannah on here last time, but she mentioned that going to God uh, with your problems, you can just say, well, He already knows all my issues and my problems, so why does it matter to go to Him? But it's it's the same as if if uh, if one of your really good friends was moving and you found out that they were moving from somebody else, it, it's hurtful because you wanted to hear that they were moving directly from them. And it's the same with God where he wants us to take our problems to him because it's a relationship. Yeah. So that's why prayer is so important. And so I think praying about it, talking to God and saying, hey, I have these desires and I know this is not what's good for me. Uh, and maybe you need to realize it's not what's good for you. And we will we'll look at that in the scriptures and go through passages to show why it's not why it's not good for you but realizing that this is not good for me saying that to god saying this is not what's good for me but i want you to show me what is good for me and just praying about it uh and even talk to somebody you trust uh find somebody who's stronger in their faith and just tell them about it because uh good godly counsel is really a good thing to have and somebody they can go to so that's what i would say pray about it mm -hmm. just read god's word um 
Yeah. Glad to hear yeah. What you guys have said. Finding an accountability partner that you can talk to, you know, just open up to them and they can help you through like this hard time. They can help you through these temptations. Mm. Yeah. My, those are all really good things. Um, also, I hope this is an encouragement, um, but a desire that's fallen is nothing more than temptation. And so also recognizing that like the desire may not be good, but it's not sin until it gives birth to sin. And I think that's, that's James that talks about that. Um, and just this idea of like being really intentional with our thoughts and taking them captive. Um, like, I, I mean, I think I've said this before, um, to you guys, like, I think the place where I sin the most is like in my brain because it's really easy to, to like do all the right things. And, and that's a side tangent, but, um, just, just recognizing that, um, yeah, it is possible. I know there's like this idea of mindfulness that's really popular right now. Um, but like Andy said, like taking that in prayer to God, not just like trying to control your thoughts, but taking them captive and giving them to God. Um, that's really, really powerful. Um, and, and also to know that like, sometimes we pray and, and, and God doesn't take those away for whatever reason. And, um, I mean, like Paul says, the thorn in his side, he asked three times and God wouldn't take it away so that he would stay humble. Um, and, and unfortunately, sometimes that's, that's going to be the way it is for Christians. Um, and that this is maybe a longer conversation than needs to be. So I'm just going to mention this briefly. Um, sometimes that leads to a life of singleness. Um, I'm, and for people who have heterosexual desires too, sometimes there that's led into singleness for the sake of the gospel and Christ's kingdom. Um, and that is a really good gift. Um, and, and we can know that whatever loss we gain on this earth is, is that much more in heaven. But, um, yeah, so don't feel like God has abandoned you if he doesn't answer that because sometimes he won't. But yeah, you were talking about like how singleness is sometimes what they have to do. And I think as a church, a way we can help people with these desires is just like honoring singleness and not making it sound mm -hmm. like it's a bad thing. Because a lot of times we're like, oh, marriage. And, you know, especially our age and a little bit older, it's like, oh, when are you going to get married? Are you dating anyone? You know, that's not that doesn't have to be our first question. Right. We always ask because that can make it a really hard spot for mm -hmm. someone that's trying to live like a celibate life because of their desires. Mm -hmm. That's I'm really glad you said that, actually, because, yeah, singleness is a gift. Mm -hmm. yeah, I was <clears throat> trying to find that passage. Can't find it right now. But, yeah, Jesus does say that he can accept this gift should accept it. So singleness, something to be embraced, especially because when you're single, you're going to have way more time than you have when you're married. I'm obviously not married, but a wise person has told me this, that you have much more time when you're single and time to spend um, in God's word and just building up, like build up your relationship with God before you build it up with somebody else. Mm. So it's good. It's good. Yeah. Now following, since we do, we were, obviously very big on critical thinking. We kind of identified the problem a little bit, and I think we should go in depth more of why, um, or specific problems about sexuality that the culture, like why the culture makes it a problem, and just some of the issues that we want to talk about so we can identify the problem first with homosexuality or just putting your identity in sexuality. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big one. Like, people, um, 
yeah, our culture, our culture puts a lot of emphasis on, on sexuality. And like, if you're not having sex, then, you know, it does like, you don't really matter that much, you know? Um, and so if, if you're not having sex in the way you want to have it and when you want it, then sucks to be you. Yeah. But obviously the Bible so teaches something very, very different. Um, which is this anyways, that's, that's going into a little bit more, but emphasis on, on purity. Um, I think that's that's probably the biggest one, and and all the other tiny issues probably come into that issue, that identity issue that's that's misplaced in gender when it should be in in Christ. I think it's especially in identity that there's so many quote unquote genders now, uh, where people are identifying as different different genders or different things, um, and so if you're going to put in your identity in something like that, that's inconsistent. So why would you want to put your identity in something that's inconsistent, that's always changing when new genders mm-hmm. are being made every day? Um, you're putting your identity in something that's not going to stay the same. And if that happens, anything we put our identity in on this earth, is it can fade away. I know plenty of runners and athletes who have been like, oh, you know, they're super passionate. They put their identity in running or football or soccer, whatever they do, and then they, they hurt themselves. And now what? They can't play. So the thing they've put their identity in is now gone. And the thing about Jesus is if you put your identity in Jesus, Jesus always stays the same. He's always consistent. He doesn't change. Um, The God of the New Testament and the Old Testament are the same. They don't change. Uh, And so putting your identity in Christ is going to put your identity in somebody that's never going to change. You'll always be there. So that's why putting your identity in Christ rather than sexuality is is the best thing you can do. Because as I said, sexuality is so inconsistent. New genders being made. Um, you can be almost anything you want and that's just not what God wants for you. Mm, that's good. I, I think it's important at this point. Um, Lillian, do you have those passages written down or no? Yes, you do. I do. Do you want to read those? Okay. So we can start with Romans 1, 26 through 27. It says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving themselves the due penalty for their error. So that's like the first one. And I think it just, you know, the words contrary to nature and error makes it so clear. It's not like that can be misinterpreted. Mm. And you can go to Leviticus 20. This is Old Testament in Leviticus 18. It says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And then the other one says, if a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Mm-hmm. So I just, and, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, I have many brothers and sisters in Christ who I love dearly, but they will say they have read those scriptures and come to a different conclusion. Um, and, uh, Man, guys, I just want us to be really, really cautious on this subject because Ephesians says that those who are sexually moral or impure or who are covetous, that is an idolater, they are not going to inherit the kingdom of Christ and God. And so, guys, God has a really specific design for, for sex. Um, and if and he is really, really passionate about it being in that context um, more than other sins because um, that's a really a pre- precious thing to him. And so if we're actively going against that, like, man, there are serious 
serious consequences. Um, and so we really want to be really careful on this subject, I think. And so that is my caution to you guys. Um, and, and then not to just listen to fancy words that make us, um, think or believe the things about scripture that we want to believe. We really want to be intentional about, about reading these scriptures, like as they are and not for like how they want them to be. Because I have brothers and sisters in Christ who I love, who have, said that they just can't fathom that a good loving God would possibly like condemn people with these desires. And now there's a couple things wrong with that, that um, we know God doesn't condemn people for having temptations because Jesus was tempted. Um, but he does have a really good and specific design, like you guys have mentioned for marriage that is good and, and, and for our best. Um, and so we want to be really careful about it. But yeah. And I think identifying homosexuality and transgender and all those all those things is as a sexual immorality problem and issue. Um I want to go to First Corinthians and it is First Corinthians six, uh, and I'll say six eighteen. Flee from sexual immorality, all other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So um, it's important you know, remember, like it said, we're like this human body does not belong to us. God has given it, graciously given mm-hmm. it to us, and we need to use it to bring him glory. I know it also says body is a temple. And ensuring, you know, make sure, remember, it, it's sexual immorality. And as Anike said, sexual immorality, God is very very strict about about sexual immorality uh and it's a lot of places in the bible it's emphasized you know it's a huge problem and as i as i said in the beginning going to god with issues like this is one of the best things you could do because you don't want to just live with your sin you want to try and fix it so yeah i just want to bring up one more scripture passage it's in the same chapter andy was just talking about verses 9 through 11 or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual and moral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. This passage shows both an extreme warning, but at the same time, like, this forgiveness that Jesus Christ has given us. So I just want you to recognize that with this passage, like the sin of homosexuality is serious and that is clear. But then also there's good news in this scripture. Like if you have lived this lifestyle in the past and if you've turned away from that and you're now living for Jesus, like he has totally forgiven you with his death on the cross Mm -hmm. and he has wiped your slate clean and you are white as snow. Amen. Let's go. And I think to go along with that, um, <clears throat> I think a good caution, because I know many people that will say this, that will say, uh, I don't want to believe in a God that threatens everybody with going to hell just so they will believe in him. And I want to say, well, that is, um, it's not 100% wrong, because first, as Christians, we believe in the Bible, what it says is true. And we can go into that in another podcast episode sometime. I think it'd be a great topic on why I believe in the Bible. But um, Jesus uses heaven as it, it is an 
acceptable motivation to follow God. Heaven is an acceptable goal, and it is okay to say, you know, I'm following Jesus because I want to go to heaven. There should be other reasons, but that's a great motivation. That's why heaven is so great, because it's a motivation. And part of that is not wanting to go to hell. So yes, there's an aspect of that, but that's not the primary reason why we believe in Jesus. Primarily the gospel that the world is broken. Um, we were supposed to, we were, were perfect. We're supposed to live with God. Uh, we sinned. And because of that, we face eternal separation from God. God sent his son, Jesus, to come and die for us. We're reconciled to God. And because of that, we can now spend eternity with him. And that's why, <clears throat> that is why we believe. Um, and it's not out of necessarily fear of going to hell because hell is a horrible place. Uh, and again, we can get into that in another episode too. These are all great things. But just, I want to, that's, that's not, you know, the, the goal right now. Uh, and the goal is, is obviously to realize why sexuality and uh, sexual morality is an issue. But mainly that, just emphasizing that point of God does not, um, he's a loving God. So he's not, that's not going to be the primary reason of our salvation or us wanting to come to him because we're afraid of hell. And the other the thing is, as Lillian mentioned, there's a, there's, a, there's a way out. God sent his son. So we have a way to get to heaven um, through Jesus. So hell is not even a fear for us. So... I just wanted to make that clear because I know many people that will say, I don't believe in God because he uses hell mm -hmm. to get us to go there. So I think that's an important thing to point out. Yeah, I agree. Um, and if you guys are ready, I'd, I'd love to take us back to Genesis um, just to discuss like the like goodness and intentionality um, with which God has, has like created marriage. Like it's, it's really, it's very intentional. Our God is a very intentional God. And so when he, he creates a good thing. It's it's not without intention. And so um, this is Genesis 2, 18. Then the Lord God said to him, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast that the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Then man gave to all livestock, birds, and of the heavens, and every beast of the fields. But for Adam, there was not a helper found fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. while he And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed it in its flesh. And the rib that God took was taken that he made from man, and he made it into woman, and brought her into the man. And um, I think the biggest idea from this passage is just that, like, God, when when it wasn't good for man to be alone, he didn't create another man. He didn't create like some weird alien thing. He created woman, and so I I have I I have I have firm belief that like God did that with really big intentionality. Just like man has good gifts and female has good gifts, and they're wired really well in a beautiful way to come together and their strengths benefit each other and balance each other out in a way that man and man couldn't do and woman and woman couldn't do. Um, and yeah, I keep saying this, our God is intentional. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really good. And even more intentionality, and I think this is important to touch on, is why mar marriage is modeled the way it is. And one of the reasons God has designed marriage is a representation of himself. So we believe God is a trinity, three persons in one. So 
the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. Um, but they're all equally and fully God, and they each play a different part. Um, but yet they make up God as a whole, as one. And so marriage, um, it, Jesus mentions that when a man and a woman get married, and he does talk about man and woman, so not man and man, woman and woman, but when a man and woman get married, the two become one flesh. And that's a symbol, sim, uh, symbolizing the Trinity, because when the Father, <laughs> Son, and the Holy Spirit come together as uh, three different people into one flesh, the same as in marriage, and extending it even more is the roles that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit play. They each play a different role, and the same as in a marriage. Um, and so it's each one plays a different role, but they're all equal in value. So that's the same as it is in marriage. Man and woman are equal in value. They're both equal to each other, yet they each play a different role in the marriage. And one is not higher than the other. It's just it's God has designed it so that um, there is a quality, and they each play a different role in the household and the family. So that's just another extension of marriage and how intentional God was when he designed it. Yeah, I know Russ mentioned one time just this idea of like, the reason why divorce is so awful is because it's like ripping apart the Trinity. Like that's awful and sad. Yeah. Dude. All right. So um, I think now that we've... One more thing. Okay. okay. And you can't go this ahead. is really important to end with. I think this is really important because, man, so um, I've been memorizing Ephesians. And so uh, I recently did Ephesians 5. Um, and so I'm just going to read to you the end uh, of Ephesians 5 verses 22 through um, 33. And I think this is really cool. So be prepared. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she may be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And listen to this. I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let each wife see that he respects her husband. Guys, from the beginning of time... God created man and woman for the intent that it would preach the gospel. Like the marriage of man and woman was to point to Christ and the church. And I mean, that I that blew my mind when I read that passage, because like you kind of always hear that like Christ, you know, man represents Christ and the female represents the church. But like the intentionality with which gender is created is meant to point to the gospel. And guys, I don't think you no, I know you don't get the gospel message preached if it is man and man or woman and woman. That only happens when it's man and woman. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Uh and yeah, one one more like note just to add to that is a reminder that the Bible is not sexist and people will twist that and say, oh the mm. wife's supposed to submit to the husband and all this stuff. But notice 
how it also mentions the husband's supposed to love the wife. And I know in um, well, some passages it says he will lay down his life for her, mm. just as Christ laid his life down for the church. Mm. Um, and so that it's it's not an act of the it's uh, if you if you view it like the wife stoops and serves the husband and then the husband serves the wife and they're constantly bending low for each other so it's like an inner it's like a dance like an interwoven dance uh, and it models it models the, the trinity because they all serve each other uh they all love each other uh and that'd also be a great topic for another time of how god is is love his nature mm-hmm. is love but um i think that will wrap it up we've identified the problem and we have identified why it is why it's an issue um and so hopefully now you guys can take this and even you know do some studying on your own do some research look some stuff up Uh, i think it's great that we did this and um we were looking forward to making our next episode thank you for listening